0: And welcome to this week's episode of Connectivity. I am Scott Thompson. We've got two regular segments for you this week, and then one bonus segment at the end of the show, following the outro. Starting things off, Patrick, Neil, and Zach get together to talk about news. After that, Zach, JP, Andy, and Andrew have a segment about Resident Evil Revelations. Uh, Pretty much just a roundtable discussion of the game as a whole. And after the show, myself, Neil, and Nate talk about Chrono Cross, the infamous sequel to Chrono Trigger. Enjoy!
1: Hi, and welcome to the news here on Connectivity, except there's not really a lot of news. Um, <laughs> so, I'll just get this out of the way before I even introduce everybody. Uh, Pokemon Black and White 2, or Pokemon Black Version 2 and Pokemon White Version 2, are coming out uh in June in Japan, and this fall in North America and Europe. And the rest of the cast with me today is Patrick Barnett. Hello. And Zachary Miller. I just don't care. Yeah, I mean, it is the kind of thing where we were talking about this before recording, where I think all three of us will probably be playing these games when they come out. But if you were to ask me, am I really excited? Eh, not really. I mean, it's a Pokemon game. I mean, I guess maybe when they reveal more information... I'll be more excited, but like, with Pokemon Black and White, I was, I was super ecstatic. I thought about importing those games, that's how <laughs> excited I was. You know, with all the new characters and stuff, and I mean, that was a really cool game. But with Pokemon Black and White 2, it just, I mean, the, the initial announcement is just kinda like, well, the hardcore Pokemon fans are really gonna, you know, they're gonna be happy and ecstatic, but for me, it's just kinda like, okay, it's a new game, that's cool, we knew it was coming. Like, I
2: didn't know it was gonna be like that anyone else a little weirded out that it's a DS game yeah i mean
1: i, I don't know if i really care
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> like it, it doesn't really buying, it doesn't affect I mean, me people but... still buy DSs i know but a pokemon on 3DS would sell systems
1: yeah i mean i mean that's someone that's really the only thing where i don't understand this but maybe their logic too is that um, You know, having it on DS means that people will buy both systems. Or, you know, people that already have a DS will, you know, buy the Pokemon game on DS. But it might also get people to go and buy systems. Uh, I guess that doesn't even make any sense because people, if if they're already into Pokemon, there's been... They bought black and white. there, there, there There has been literally three rounds of games out on the DS. But, I mean, yeah, I... I guess I understand it and that you're appealing to the widest base, but you're not going to be able to use it as a system seller. Yeah. Unless maybe they'll do something crazy and we'll have that Pokemon Grey game out in, like,
2: 2013.
1: Mm. Me- I think they would do new Pokemon games before yeah. they would release a Pokemon Grey. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think we'll find that out more once we figure out more of what the sequel is. Yeah, that's um, probably true. Yeah. Because we honestly we don't really know too much outside of, like, the legendary Pokemon involved that'll, that'll be on the covers.
2: Well, it's an alternate form of the legendary, and that is what happened. That That's the only change... Well, that's not the only change, but that's why they made Platinum, because Platinum has an alternate form for Giratina.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you know more than I do. Yeah. But, I mean, for me, as someone who... I mean, I know people complain about how, oh, the DS games are stretched out, but for, for me, that doesn't really bother me that much. No. Like, I played I played Ghost Trick on it and it did not phase me at all. Um, I mean, I guess on some games it looks worse than others, but, like, I, you know, I had a little trouble with the Elite Beat Agents. I actually played that game as kind of a test subject when I got the 3DS. And, you know, having things be a little bit bigger and a little off-kilter was a little difficult, but I mean, I played Mass Attack on that, I played Ghost Trick, and I don't have any complaints with it, but I guess I'm just not that visually picky. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you guys play DS games on your
2: 3DS at all?
3: I played Din and that looked fine in my opinion, but I'm probably
1: like you, and it doesn't really bother me that much.
2: I have a DSi for my DS games.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's my thing is, I mean, oh, I gave the DSi to my niece, but even still, I'd, I'd rather have, you know, my time logged on the 3DS with the game. I'm, I'm into that feature. That's yeah. fun.
2: Yeah. I
1: mean, I really I really like seeing, just because it's not something that I'm usually aware of, how much time I put into a game like Mutant Muds. I checked the time, and I was like, oh, my God, I played this game for nine hours. How the hell did that happen?
2: How did that happen? The game's about two hours long. I'm, not for me. <laughs> I don't know how you got through it that fast. Cycle. Well, maybe not two hours, but not nine hours. Yeah, I think, think that I la- the very last level might have taken an hour.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe we just aren't all as expert gamers as
2: Hugh, Zach. Well, I mean, duh.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, I'd just rather play DS games on my 3DS at this point. It yeah. doesn't really bother me.
2: Well, now that I have that awesome 18 game case, I uh, if I want to, I can take, DS games on trips with me and play them on my 3DS and have them in the same case as my 3DS games.
1: Yeah, I mean now that I have two of those, I can take (laughs) double the amount, and and I have but I'm at a point where I almost fill up an entire case of those of 3DS games Nice (laughs) um, You bastard (laughs) So so let's get to what we were going to talk about because there's not a lot of news. We, We recorded a little late last week and the only thing that really happened over the weekend was the Pokemon news. So we're gonna take this time to do a little bit of a future topic and talk about what games we would like to see direct sequels to. Um really the only rules we had lined out is that the game had to be on the Nintendo system. Um so my my wish that I actually thought up when we were brainstorming for this is really like to see Mirror's Edge two. That's all I'm gonna mention about that, is that I'd like to see that happen, EA. Um But I guess uh let's start with Patrick. Uh, what what
3: direct sequels would you like to see? Um, I'm going to start with a Wii game, um, Zack and Wiki. I think it was Zack and Wiki Quest for Barbaros Treasure, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. It, it, was, it was like one of the earlier Wii games I had actually gotten, and it was just different from things I had played before because it was like a point-and-click adventure on the Wii almost. I don't know. Did either of you guys play it?
2: Uh, I actually own it, but I've never popped it in. Oh yeah.
1: i I'm just it was one of those things where I realized um, that I don't really care that much for most point and click games and I mean I, I didn't really I like the art style, but the story just seemed kind of flat to me.
3: Oh, yeah, the story didn't really matter much at all because most of it most of the game you just spent doing the puzzles themselves, which some of them were a little tricky and complicated, but overall I thought it was really great.
2: I've heard that's a good like girlfriend game.
3: Yeah. I guess it is co op. Yeah. Maybe.
2: Is it? I don't know. Is it a co op yeah, in the way is. that Mario Galaxy is co op? Yeah, I, th- I think it
1: is. I don't remember.
2: Well, I, I mean, think it,
1: I... It, it is a game where you point and click, so it makes more sense yeah. than uh, than having that with you know, something else.
3: Sure. But you still have a character that walks around and picks stuff up, but I don't remember how it handled the co op.
1: Well, I mean, it was just like, I think you could point, I think you could, like, you know, make a note of, like, oh, select this. Yeah. Okay.
2: I I do want um, to b- pop that in. It looks fun.
3: Yeah. But I think oh, it would work really well on the the Wii U with the screen in your hand to select things pretty quickly.
2: Definitely. Oh, yeah.
3: So maybe that'll happen. I think that was Capcom, so make that happen.
2: Yep. <laughs> I have the little puzzle on my refrigerator. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> it came with a puzzle. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving um, on.
3: Should I, should I go with my next one right away? Do it. All right, um, Pokemon Pinball. That was released on Game Boy Color a while back, and then there was another Game Boy Advance game. Yep. And uh, I think it would work really well on the DS, because there's all these recent DS uh, pinball games. And
4: Yeah,
1: and if I'm, you think about it, because um, wasn't the second one Ruby Sapphire? Yeah, yeah, it
3: was Ruby Sapphire, so it's been May, um, two generations.
1: Well, yeah, well, uh, like the first one, did that just have red and blue? It was just was red and blue, yep, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, every two generations. And right now we are in the, the second generation since Ruby Sapphire. So I'd love maybe. it. Maybe. That would be cool. I would, I would definitely play that.
2: I, I play the Game Boy Advance ones all the time. They're really fun, or it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get Fuse to it. do it, although Fuse doesn't exist anymore, do they?
1: Yeah, that is unfortunate. But there are a lot of other good pinball companies out sure. there.
2: Whoever did... Uh, that pinball game that you're always telling me to get, Patrick. Uh, and Zen Studios. Zen and there's also
1: um, the guys making the pinball arcade. Um, yeah. Oh, oh
2: I, wanted to, I wanted to tell this to Patrick. Uh, Patrick, I turned on <coughs> uh, Pushmo with the intent to play it for a long time last night. How far did you get? Got stuck <laughs> on a puzzle in level two. Said, <laughs> screw this noise, and went back to Resident Evil.
3: You can get through mutant muds in two hours, but you can't
2: get past <laughs> level two of push mode. <laughs> that, that is where I trump you, Miller. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprisingly difficult puzzle, and it makes me crazy, but I don't want to do a fact because it's a level two puzzle, and how stupid am I? <laughs> uh, what's next? What, what else we got here? Oh, that's all you've got. That's all I all have.
1: All right, yeah. so I'll, I'll move on to my gargantuan list. Your list is huge.
2: Yeah, I know. You know what okay, they yeah, say about good. guys with huge lists.
1: Uh, small brains? I don't know. Sure. Um, uh, my first one is is a game series that is near and dear to my heart, um, and most Westerners are people who aspire to be great southpaw pitchers in the Pacific Northwest. That is StarTropics 3.
4: Um, mm. They were the first
1: two games on NES, StarTropics 1 and StarTropics 2, Zoda's Revenge. Um, they were kind of Zelda clones in a sense, and they were basically... Unique in that they were made to appeal to the Western market. Uh Um, And I I I really, really dug those games. Um, They had, you know, a really quirky story, quirky characters. Um, The first one, to me, is a much purer experience. The second one kind of goes a little off the beaten path. But the second one is kind of like time-traveling game, where, like, you go to different time periods. But it it doesn't really make any sense. Like, Cleopatra really wants to eat pizza and... (laughs) According to that game, Sherlock Holmes is a historically accurate person, because when you go to that era, it's like, I look like Sherlock Holmes is here, I was like, I thought I was going through time, not fictional worlds. <laughs> um,
2: now, aren't those, uh, aren't Star Tropics kind of, there's kind of the Zelda games, right?
1: I mean, they're definitely very similar to Zelda, like there are dungeons that would remind you of Zelda dungeons.
3: Right. Are they both on the virtual console? The first yes. Thing.
1: Okay. I highly recommend um, if you've never played them before, I would definitely check them out. They are they are fantastic games.
3: Hmm. I, it, um, it was the first one, correct? That in the manual you needed the manual to get through yes. something. In the, yeah. Yeah. You had
1: to dip it in water, and actually the Virtual Console manual. Um, if you if you know you back out and go to that section, you can do that, and when you're prompted to in the game, you can go and do that.
2: Those are Which is funny. Super Nintendo games.
1: No, uh, original Nintendo. Oh. although they came out. They came out pretty late.
2: Okay.
1: Um, which one's better?
2: If I had to get one, which one should I get?
1: I would say get the first one. Because the, the one big thing in the second one that I wasn't as, as big of a fan of is that in the first one, everything's pretty, like, grid-based. Like, you know, when you're in the dungeon, it's like you, if you press left, you just move one square. And if you hold left, then you go to different squares. And it's like, you know, each thing is, is a grid. In the second one, they made it so, like, you have more free movement and it makes it a little more tougher to control and you'll get hit when you think that you're not going to get hit. Mm-hmm. It's not like game breaking or anything, but I, like I think the first one is the pure experience. I would recommend that if you if you've never played the series before to start there. And if you really dig it, then move on to the second one. Yeah. And not that the story is super important, but you will I mean, not not a lot will make sense in the story in Star tropics 2. Not that it really does in general, but if you play through the first one, everything will make a lot more sense.
2: Okay. Well I've got um, some Reggies to burn, I may as well get that.
1: Yeah, uh five hundred points, man. And if you like it then you can get the second one. Eh. And then you can and then you can join me and you'll be like, where's the third? <laughs> Which is honestly I don't think it'll ever happen, but if if I could, I would want that to happen. They're yes. doing it with Kid Icarus. <laughs> yeah. Um, it only took now, twenty years. The the next game on my list is Buck Bumble Two. Yeah. Um, some people might have heard, I believe there was an Earlier episode of this show, maybe it was newscast. I, I think it was connectivity, where I where I hummed the hummed the song, the, the theme song to this game, which is epically awesome. Yeah. Um, Buck Bumble Two was a like an air combat game, actually made by Argonaut Software, which are the same guys who worked on Star Fox. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, I mean, it's got a decent pedigree behind it. It was a pretty neat game. Um, and, I mean, it's basically like it. it is an air combat game where you're a bee, and the bee has guns, and you fight other bees <laughs> and stuff. Um, it was published by Ubisoft, so maybe we could see that come back. Put it in the hands of Q Games or something. I'd really dig that. There you go. Why not? Um, the next one on my list is Mystical Ninja starring Goemon 2, which I would like to... uh highlight the fact that I would like to see a direct sequel to the first Nintendo 64 game, not the second one, which is Goemon's Great Adventure, which is a fun 2D game, but I kind of like, you know, Mystical Ninja... I thought Mystical Ninja won... or, not one, but the earlier 64 game had a more interesting environment and story and characters, and also, while the gameplay was a little janky, it was basically a Mario 64 clone, but, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a fun game. Sure. Um... And I would like to see that. I believe the Goemon games, there was a release on DS. It was in, like, Konami Crazy Racers and stuff, but I don't think they've been doing anything with the series lately. So bring it back, Konami. (laughs)
4: Um,
1: Next game on the list, and uh, House of the Dead Overkill 2, which um, I've actually talked to people from Headstrong Games. They want this to happen, too. I just don't think Sega has greenlit it. Hopefully that PS3 port sold really well, which it probably didn't. Oh. And then we'll see a sequel very soon, if it did sell well enough. Um, but I, I adore that game. Uh, Zach, I believe you've played it, right?
2: Uh, House of the Dead? Yeah, hell yeah. I, I yeah. In fact, uh, I intend to get the HD version someday when the price drops like a brick.
1: Yeah, if I ever find a move real cheap, I will get a move and then buy House of the Dead Overkill, and see, probably I, no other move games.
2: I have access to a move. My brother never uses his, so I just borrow it. Um, <laughs> that's how I got through ha- um, Dead Space again, uh, Yeah, whatever it's called. Extraction. Um, extraction. And uh, so, you know, if I if I see House of the Dead Overkill for like 20 bucks, done deal.
1: Now, Patrick, have you ever played the game? No, I haven't. You should totally play it. it you said there's it, a PS3 it,
2: version? Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if you have move,
1: because it's a white gun game. Um, the the Wii version is probably dirt cheap at this point, and I highly recommend it. It's it's hysterical. It's a lot of fun. It's got great music. It's probably um, my favorite Nintendo game on Wii. Period.
2: Uh, Neil, follow me along with this. You ready? Yeah. Agent G. He will rip your motherfucking balls off.
1: No, no, dude. It's uh Washington's the
2: guy does that. No, no, that's G. No, that's yeah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's got this grindhouse style. I believe it held the record for most obscenities of the game and then Mafia two beat it. But I think someone from Headstrong made a comment and it's like, well Mafia two is four times the dialogue of us. Of course they beat us. Um like it's I mean it's it is really messed up. Like the ending of that game is off the wall so wrong. And, and really, really funny. Um But uh the next game is probably my my, my second or third favorite third-party non game on Wii, and that is Mushroom Men. I would love to see a direct sequel to that. Unfortunately, uh, I don't really know what state Redfly Studio is at this point, but that was part of the whole Gamecock South Peak debacle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cock. But uh, for the, for those who don't know, there was this you know this kind of like brash young, or maybe not young, I don't know. This brash young publishing outfit, Gamecock Media Group. That you know they were all about basically giving the ownership of the IPs to developers and kind of work more with them and involve the developers more in you know self-marketing and getting the the word out on their game out there together and really uh, this great this great ideal that unfortunately didn't work. Um, there's a really there's a couple really good interviews on One Up um, with the guys from Gamecock and I think there's there's a couple on Gamma Sutra too. That, uh, from, from a couple years ago when they were just forming, kind of explaining what they were about now. And there's like, you know, a retrospective explaining how it failed. Um, but they were a part of, uh, Renegade Kid with, uh, yep. Dementium. Uh, that, that was, I think, one of the first games that they published, but that, that was actually published in their South Peak because they ran into financial troubles pretty soon after. And then South Peak basically just shit out all the other Gamecock games, and one of them was Mushroom Men. And really, I mean, I think it came out in, like, early December. And I know, um, I luckily got the review copy for that. Um, and I think we didn't get the review copy until January. So that, that tells you something about how the, the promotion and, and PR and marketing was for that game. But that's a stellar game. Um, the I would love to see the a direct DS sequel one. to that. The, oh, the DS one is terrible. The oh. DS one was actually worked on by Zen Studios. Who is hmm. the company who made Zen Pinball 3D.
4: Nice. Which is, awesome. is so good. <laughs>
1: yeah, so they should just make pinball games and not make, you know, crappy 2D platformers on <laughs> DS. Um, and, uh, my, my last one that I'm going to go over because Zach and I have a repeat is Ghost Trick 2, which I think we've said enough great things about this game on, on every one of the podcasts that we have on this lovely site. Ghost Trick Fucking rocks! If you I haven't yeah played it I've yet,
2: been playing it on my iTouch. Uh,
1: yeah, I love probably, it. You should check it out any way you can. That is a fantastic game. I don't really know how well it's sold, but I mean, Shoot and the Gang. They're they're still making Layton or not a uh, Layton? Uh, Phoenix Wright games. And I don't know if they sold too well. So hopefully Ghost Trick has enough power to you know take that mechanic and take it into another story. Because um, I, I I love that that art style and I love that world.
3: Do you think yeah. the art style would do well on the 3DS if it moved onto that system?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely. I, I, I haven't mean, played I think, the I think, first that, one I think yet. that rotoscoping could look amazing on the 3DS. Hmm.
3: Uh, I have to yeah. play the first one yet, so...
4: <laughs> and
1: before before we move on to Zach, I will mention uh, Scott Thompson's addition to this list, which is a proper sequel to Super Mario World. Hmm. Um, he made a comment because uh, he had to he had the jet right before we started recording because we, we ran late on a segment that you will hear later. So you can guess what one that is. Um, but uh, Super Mario World, he uh, thought it was a shame that the series just kind of you know, went on hiatus, more or less, after Super Mario World, or at least there's 2D Mario games. Because, I mean, there was Yoshi's Island, but that wasn't really a Mario game. Um, I mean, it was called Super Mario World 2. I mean, that was more of a marketing reason for that. But we didn't really see another 2D side-scrolling Mario game until the Super Mario Bros. DS Which is kind of incredible if you think about it. I mean, there were the the GBA, like, uh, you know, the re-releases of all the different games, but, you know, there was like a 15 year gap where we did not get a new side-scrolling Mario game. Yeah. And now people are complaining about the the new side-scrolling Mario game on 3DS is too soon. Oh, we've gotten three in the past half a decade. (laughs) Beware.
2: You know, I will, I will, uh, say that Mario World uh, might be my least favorite 2D Mario.
3: What's wrong with you? (laughs) I
2: I really like Mario World, but... I mean, I I, I like it. It's it's not to say it's a bad game. It's just I like the other ones more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very different for me. I like Yoshi a lot. Um, I mean,
1: he's a a fun character in that game, and I like the Secret Exits a lot. It's really TV stuff. I I mean, the art style is really weird. It's something that I don't think has ever really been used in a Mario game since outside sure. of, you know, ones that use the same assets. I think I, I think what though.
2: disappoints me about the game is there's like three musical tracks.
1: Well, they're really good music. Well. I mean, I I, I love Super Mario World and Super Mario Bros. 3, and I don't really know if I was, you know, had a gun to the head and was like, pick one, which is your favorite? <laughs> I don't really know what I would say. Or right, three. Uh, I'd probably pee myself and then... Pick pick a random one in my head, because <laughs> the guy had a gun to my head. I need to make a decision. Um, but yeah, uh, I I agree with Scott. I think
2: that would be really cool. It would to see a game like that. And or, and then when you beat it with Mario, you could unlock Luigi. Yeah. Although I mean, I guess, uh, maybe we can just hope that the
1: side-scrolling Super Mario game that's going to be on 3DS is just going to be, you know, Super Mario World Three.
2: Yeah. Could be. Yeah.
1: All right, Zach, your turn.
2: Okay. Uh, I'll go over our 3 Um Boy, oh boy, I would love to see Picross 3DS uh, or Picross 3D2 because, man, I don't think I've sunk more time into a game last year uh, yeah. or the year um, before, I, whenever the hell
1: it was. I 100% agree with you. Uh, Picross 3D is, in my eyes, not only the best game on DS, but probably my favorite game of the past 30 years. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's quite the statement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. At first, I was gonna say ten, and I'm like, "Shit, I don't even know if anything can really compete with it." Um, I, I love Picross 3D. Yeah, I so mean, addictive. I don't, I don't, I don't really think you can honestly compare it to to most other games. But as far yep. as those kind of puzzle games go, no other puzzle game has gripped me as much as as Picross 3D. And to it. see
2: those little blocks explode in 3D, I, <laughs> just, whoa! I would, I would poop myself.
3: <laughs>
2: I think it would be. Uh, a day one purchase for probably
3: all of us, I guess. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm not sure remember, why they haven't done it. I, I, I still remember, um, at PAX East, the uh, before, that was the first PAX East. It was before Pickrost 3D really came out. They had a demo for it at the Nintendo. Booth. And that was when Lauren first tried it. Um, and that was, if you, if you listen to podcasts during that time, I think, I think James or someone commented about how, Weirdly, the Nintendo booth, like, you would touch a DS and you would get static shocked. (laughs) So Lauren braved the static shocking and played Picross 3D. I don't know if it quite gripped her then. I I played the demo, too. I don't really get it. But then we we demoed it at Nintendo probably, you know, two, three weeks before it came out. And we were fighting over who would get to play it for the demo. Um, And then wound up when we got the review copy. We got it, I think, the day it came out. And I just basically bought it on Amazon and shipped it to Andy, who was reviewing it, because I was just like, I I, I need to play this game. Right now. <laughs> like I will I will get it so it gets there to you tomorrow. But I need this game right now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah. and I'd hmm, I'd have to quit my job. Uh, next,
1: mean, I mean, just take take a week off. <laughs> pick crosses <laughs> out.
2: Sorry my guys. Next, uh, my next game that I really want to see. After the debacle that was Other M, and I use that term loosely, debacle, uh, I'd like Good. to I was, see... I was just going to give you crap for it, but you said loosely. Loosely. So okay. uh, debacle for some of us, how about that? Uh, yeah, Metroid Prime 4, let's just get back to what works. Um, give it to Retro, they know how to do this shit. Make it more like the first game. Well, well, they can do that after they finish their, uh, their Zelda game on Wii U or 3DS. There you it's go, you're exactly right. Game. Hey, maybe they're making a Metroid Prime game for the 3DS. Actually, I think that was my prediction for what yeah, they man. were working on a few shows back. Metroid Dread, man. Mmm. It's finally sexy. coming. <laughs> so I'd like to see that um, because the Metroid Prime games, even two, I don't love two, but it's I can still recognize it's an amazing game. Um, I mean, the art style is still is still wonderful. Yeah, the art style is great. The atmosphere is fantastic. The music is wonderful. Like, everything about those games is incredible. So I'd like to see them go back to that well. Uh, And there's plenty more they could do. Um, So I'd like to see that. And then the last thing I'd like to see is Beyond Good and Evil 2. Of course, you knew it was coming. Uh, I love Beyond Good and Evil 1. They've been teasing us with a sequel for, what, 10 years? (laughs) Uh, So make it... I know it's... Air quotes, gonna happen, but we haven't really seen anything of the sequel. Yeah. Uh, and they keep saying, yeah, Michael Ansel's working on it. It's a big project. Oh, well, by I the way, we push we're back with Rayman Origins. I know. By the way, we're going to uh, make whether we uh, make the game or not will depend on Rayman Origins' success. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> but I th- but I think you said before the show Rayman Origins did respectably.
1: Yeah, they said it was profitable, I believe. Like, I mean, it probably didn't sell a lot, but it was also probably a, a realistically budgeted game with realistic expectations.
2: So I know that in the past Ansel has said that the version they're working on would not run on current generation consoles like the 360 and the PS3. So yeah. wouldn't it be awesome... If at E three this year we went in to the Ubisoft conference and put up with Joel McHale, um and Oh dude, no, it got worse. Um what? Joel McHale
1: is he he's too big, you know, community man. He's too big of a draw. Last year they had like some guy that people refer to as Mr. Caffeine. Oh, we didn't actually go to the Ubisoft <laughs> thing, but it was it was apparently even worse than the two Wow. Because he did not have the wit of Joel McHale to balance out the bullshit of the Ubisoft press conference.
4: Wow.
2: Well, wouldn't it be nice if they launched the Ubisoft press conference with launch game for the Wii U and Xbox 720 and whatever else, Beyond Good and Evil 2, here's a trailer, now what your pants.
1: Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I don't really think that's that far off, although I don't think it would be out this year. No. Um, I think it, I think it would be a, a 2013 game at the earliest and would probably be delayed after that. You're game.
4: probably right.
1: Because also, I mean, thinking from Ubisoft's perspective, they already have the Killer Freaks from Outer Space, which is probably going to be their their marquee Wii U launch title. Yeah, and Beyond Good and Evil Beyond Good and Evil
2: got delayed a lot. The first one got delayed a lot.
1: Yeah, as well as probably a port of a Rayman game (laughs) Um, (laughs) Asphalt 3D Wii U Excellent. A Ghost Recon game. Battle of the Giant Dinosaurs Wii U. I I said that as a joke, but legitimately there was also a Ghost Recon game. Yeah, there was. (laughs) For Wii U Um but, oh, yeah. yeah,
2: that's not a joke after all.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's Ubisoft. They'll be there with bells on with at least five games. Yep. They will be half of the launch lineup.
2: They'll port uh, the HD collection of Splinter Cell to the Wii U. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's uh, you know a bunch of direct sequels we'd like to see. Um, if there are any direct sequels that you would like to see, you can write us in at connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Um, you can uh, follow my talkings on Twitter at at n r o n one zero. Wouldn't
2: it be your tweetings?
1: I, I, my writings.
2: All right, your leavings.
1: Um, yes, my droppings. Um, <laughs> Zach and Patrick, if you guys want to pimp yourself on Twitter too, now is the time.
2: I am Z Mil- Oh, go ahead,
1: Patrick. <laughs> you can follow me at. Papatch15,
3: P-A-P-A-T-C-H-15.
2: And you can follow me at ZMiller1902. Uh, And while I've got your attention, you can go over to crosstalk.com and download uh, all four episodes of the Frozen North Intercast. The last one was Jeopardy! You're Probably Smarter Than My Friends.
1: (laughs) Um, And uh, just just to remind you guys, we will have a Pax... East panel. Mm. Um, unfortunately, uh, Patrick and Zach won't be there. Mm. They will be there in spirit because they will have helped make the questions.
4: Mm.
1: Um, uh, 10 a.m. on Friday, April 6th, which actually, it dawned on me, uh, our panel is on the day that Xenoblade comes out in North America. <laughs> so that's fun. Um, we'll have to have a Xenoblade category, guys. Um, oh, hell. We will get someone who has played the game to, uh, to comment on we'll that. But anyway. Questions. Um, but yes, uh, Friday, April 6th at 10 a.m. is the first day at PAX and immediately after the show opens. So come <laughs> and see us then. If you want to be a contestant, uh, you can, you can email us at connectivity at com. We actually had someone, uh, someone write in about that. So uh, if we get more people, then we might have some sort of uh, pre-show competition. To we do to accept bribes. Yes, you can pay us off and then we will use that money to buy you a prize to give you back. So in, in essence, you're, <laughs> You're buying yourself a gift, so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, we're really excited for the for the panel. <coughs> also, Radio Free Nintendo is having their third panel, which they are affectionately dubbing, uh, you know, Radio Free Nintendo the panel Trydax edition. <laughs> um, and that is at 11:30 a.m. on the Saturday, April 7th, um, in the same theater. We're both in the Arachman Theater, and by the time you hear this, you should be able to see the entire schedule up on a. On PAX East, so you'll see, you know, we're not lying to you. We are legitimately <laughs> having a panel at PAX East. That's that's when shit will become real. When I go to the PAX East website, it's like, hey, remember when I looked at this when I wanted to go to PAX Prime and I was like, oh man, it'd be cool to have a panel. Like that'll that'll be trippy. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's uh that's about the show. Yep. And yeah, Zach, uh, are you gonna watch Justice League Doom? It came out today.
2: I know it came out today. It's on my queue. I'm uh I'm pretty excited about it, although the villain roster looks kind of weak sauce. Yeah, I mean, and they have like cyborg in it for some reason. Yeah, well, maybe they have cyborg in it because he's one of the Justice League members in the new Fifty Two, which is stupid.
1: Oh, um, what was I going to say? But I actually I got the I got the Blu Ray. It was on sale at Best Buy, so so I went and picked it up because I I religiously it's. Probably like the only DVDs and stuff I buy at this point are the DCAU things. Did you get Unless, the,
2: did you get a little flash figure with it?
1: Um, no, I was actually, cause I'm a reward zone member, and they sent uh-huh. out an email saying about how, like, oh, if you bought it with your reward zone, you could get the flash for free, but other than, like, I got it for 15 bucks, Oof. and they had there, it was 20 bucks with the flash figure, and I think if I, if I showed that I was a reward zone member, I could have gotten the flash figure, but, I, I got suckered into one of those things a couple of years ago with, like, a Green Lantern figure, and I, he's just rotting somewhere oh, I see, in a yeah. box at my parents, so I'm not really too torn up.
2: Yeah, I've got that Chris Redfield little figurine that came with uh, Resident Evil 5 Special Edition, and it instantly broke.
1: <laughs> but, instantly. Yeah. So I'm um, not a big fan of those tiny little When, when we both watch Justice League Doom, uh, we should we should do a segment on that. If oh, you, we if should? want to see us do a segment on Justice League Doom, please write in Connectivity at NintendoWallReport.com. <laughs> um, you should just write in the Connectivity at
3: yeah. NintendoWall. Actually, Before Neil, you it, might like anything. that
2: Jeopardy episode. <laughs> one of the categories is the DCU. Then that's where we got on <laughs> on the subject. Like oh, Star. nice. Because
1: <laughs> you mentioned Frozen North and Frozen North Intercast, and actually when you mentioned it this time, I was like, oh, yeah, the new DCAU thing's out today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope going on a 10-minute sidetrack.
3: At one.
2: least, yeah. I <laughs> hope, it, as long as it's better right. than year one.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much the barometer. But we should really end this now. All right. Um, I hope people are accepting of my, at least at this point, it was a purposeful (laughs) (laughs) DCAU (laughs) transition. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the show. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about significantly less than Bye. Bye.
2: Hello, folks. Welcome to the Resident Evil Revelations 3D Land Cart 7 discussion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with me today is uh, uh, JP Corbin.
5: How are you
2: doing, buddy? We've got Andrew Brown. Howdy. And special guest host, Andy Gergen. Special guest host? No, that's your job. I'm the special
6: guest <laughs> guest. <laughs> Also, it took everything I had in my in my being to not respond when you said Andrew Brown. <laughs> this is, the, I think, this is the first podcast that I've done with you, Andrew.
7: Oh yes, likewise. Uh, I don't be. think I've been with any of the other guys here today, so.
6: Oh, excellent! Wow.
5: We need to have a new podcast. We have to, like, for the other people, we need to have the James cast. You need to get all the Jameses. All the Jameses. <laughs> Aren't there like five of them?
2: There's at least three. Yeah, yeah, at least, uh, I, I know
6: Jones, Dawson, that.
2: Charlton. Anyway, Resident Evil. Anyway, Resident Evil Revelations came out, what, a month ago? Something like that. Er, yeah, yeah, it came
6: out on the uh, 8th of February, so just a, just a little under a month ago.
2: A little under a month, and we've all been playing it. Absolutely. And, uh, and what do you guys think? Let's start with JP. Uh, really, I, I don't have that much experience
5: with the series. The only game in the series i put any real time into was 4 on the Wii. I, I rented and played decent amounts of the remake of the original and Resident Evil 5 as well. But I, I think this really is my favorite of the ones I've played. Uh, it, I think, you know, it managed to hold on to the whole horror thing. Because RE4 and especially RE5 turned it into more of a shooter action kind of thing. This game there's a lot of tension there, because sometimes you're running low on ammo, and you're running low on herbs, and you're, like, just trying to make it to the next point. It really, I think, has a great feeling to it.
7: Yeah, I, I would agree. That's, um, that's basically what the series was all about back in the, uh, the tank control games, I shall refer to them as. <laughs> um,
6: but, uh, it was... I've lost my train of thought. Carry on. Well, I think it's <laughs> worth noting that the this game doesn't controlled in fact R E four as well, they don't really control that differently than class no. Resident Evil. The difference is that now it. well no, the difference is the camera. Because yeah, in the, the early Resident Evil the games there. there was a there was a fixed camera, so it was meant to be sort of a cinematic angle and then your character would always move you always pushed up to move, but that was always a different direction on the screen because forward right. meant different things depending on where you were facing and against the camera. So, the the controls really haven't changed. It's the camera that's changed. And, of course, the aiming is, is considerably different as well.
5: I'll agree well, with I, that. Well, I think, that, I mean, if you're playing with the Circle Pad Pro, it does, it has changed. And I guess if you're playing with the, you know, if you're playing with the normal thing, then sure. But if you're playing with the Circle Pad Pro, it controls like a normal... Like third-person shooter, it controls like RE4 or RE5.
2: I really prefer not using the CirclePad Pro on this. I've seen you
5: say that. I've seen you say that, and I would like to hear your argument for that because I I have played it both ways, and I much prefer the CirclePad Pro.
2: It just feels slower, a little clunkier, and um, when you go into uh, when you go into aiming mode in the first-person mode, it always seems like the camera is facing somewhere else. Like I'm mm. looking at the floor, I'm looking at the ceiling. It doesn't default to like right in front of me.
7: And the uh, the moving of the aiming is a lot heavier. I've noticed as well. Right. Even if you turn the sensibility up, it's uh, it's very
2: clunky. And I was hoping that the shoulder buttons would do more useful things, like give me a quick turn on one of the shoulders. Yeah, or is
5: there a quick turn? Because I don't even. I, I it's don't know.
2: it's down yeah. plus B. Yeah. Okay. It, it's been consistent through the series. But,
5: uh, yeah, I, I didn't even know that there was one. So. Uh,
2: ah. It's helpful in raid mode.
5: <laughs> it took me it took me forever to figure out you could switch to the scanning thing with the D-pad.
2: I think that's the only way you can do it.
5: No, you can use the touchscreen, and that's how I was oh, doing that's it for true. a while. And yep. I, I didn't realize there was a way to do it like that. It works.
6: I didn't use the touchscreen in this game at all, unless I absolutely had to.
5: Well, for the map and stuff, you want know, to yes, look at the and- more detailed map. Oh, um,
6: uh, I didn't find the map particularly helpful, to be honest.
5: It's got, like, that no, Metroid uh, Prime-style map with the 3 d <laughs> kind of thing. That, it, That's like, true. For me, it's made it easier to figure out where I'm going at
6: that's true.
7: Uh, for, yeah, just roughly to get a general idea of oh, I need to go in that general direction. But uh, the fact that it doesn't show where you are in the room at the time and right. uh, what direction you're facing, etc., unlike the the Metroid Prime ones, which were actually well, in-
5: there's the one that's normally on the touchscreen shows you that, but the, the TV yeah. one doesn't.
7: Right, right. So you have to
5: kind of switch between them if you really want to get it, which I guess is kind of
2: cool. Yeah, the game the game does kind of turn you around sometimes that. I didn't really love that until I became more familiar with the layout of the ship. Sure, uh, I got turned around quite a bit.
4: Oh, See, I actually absolutely.
6: thought the um, I thought the game um, f- it felt very much like a hybrid of the classic Resident Evil versus the, the the new shooter style Resident Evil that debuted with four and and really hit the hit the scene majorly with five. But
7: <laughs> you, you know, I, <laughs> or you could say hit the fan with five.
6: Yeah, I think the, I think. Generally, I much prefer the atmospheric Resident Evil, which is like the remake of the, the – the remake of the first one is my favorite in the entire series, uh, beating out 4 fairly handily. Uh, and I liked 2 quite a bit as well. And Code Veronica, actually, I really liked as well. Um, I didn't really like the, the direction they went with 4 and 5 because I just didn't want – I didn't want a shooter. Like, there's already shooters out there. I wanted a, I wanted survival horror, and they basically took it away from me, um, which isn't to say I didn't – it wasn't say I didn't enjoy. 4, I just it wasn't the game that I wanted.
5: It's a different kind of game.
6: Right. Exactly. It's a
5: very. It's an excellent game, but it's not really the same kind of game as the the ones that came before it.
6: So I was a little hesitant coming into Revelations, even though people have been saying that it had sort of a classic Resident Evil feel to it. Even though it had the like the the gameplay really of four and five. Um, but it's got the actually, atmosphere. It does games. have the atmosphere. But what I found is that. I actually kind of really enjoy the actiony the actiony bits of of Revelations more than I enjoy them in four and five, and I think part of that's just because, on the handheld, I don't I don't get the atmosphere. Like I, I could play it in a dark room with headphones, but I'm not. I'm playing it while my wife watches Gossip Girl, uh, so <laughs> I'm playing it with the sound off or very low. So the atmosphere doesn't. It's not really a thing. This may as well not even be a Resident Evil game. To me, it's just, like, a pretty fun action game, and I'm kind of liking it. In fact, that's one of the reasons I think I like raid mode more than the campaign, is because I don't have to worry about dealing with the atmosphere at all. It's just action, and I kind of like that better.
4: Yeah.
5: I have not no. played it with headphones. I'll play it with the sound on most of this time because I I just i am afraid that I'll just, like, there'll be a noise indicating something's, like, sneaking up on me or something. I don't want to right. miss out on that, but... You know, I'll have something else going on. I'll have all the lights on, I'll
4: have the ESPN on the back. The back <laughs> I've always like,
5: been
6: I've always been a big advocate of like when you play a Resident Evil game or any survival horror game really, you turn the lights out yeah, you make sure you're the only person in the room, or the or at least the other person in the room is also, like, really into it, and you turn the volume way up, and you just immerse yourself. I played Silent Hill 2 that way, and it scared the shit out of me. The
4: game is uh, so good. And, oh, the, and,
6: and the the remake as well, the RE remake, I played the same way. I played the RE remake largely in, in like, three sittings, like, over the course of a weekend. It was now awesome. I
2: played I played Revelations with the... Uh cool headphones in a hat that came with the review copy. Oh, nice. And it sounds really phenomenal uh, with headphones on. I bet. Really really spooky stuff.
7: Damn, I want that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like a beanie hat with with little pockets for headphones. That's excellent. Wow. That's yeah, awesome. it's kind of cool it's it's handy for like when I'm shoveling and I want to listen to my iPod
7: i'm I'm still pissed that there um that uh what is it the lenticular three d s cover thing that was out in was it gamestop that had that in in your oh yeah yep yeah it, it actually actually looks good from the from the pictures but it's uh, unavailable uh, at least in australia so
2: that's up. too bad do you at least have the Revelations cover uh misprint oh no. <laughs> no. The um the cover's
7: completely redone down here, and the the spine of the case actually has the official game logo with like a, a blue sort of aura coming oh, up cool. from the sides. So.
2: Nice. What's what's your box? What's your box art? Ours is just the thing and the eye and the
7: um, door. Having, it's really bland. Seen it in the stores. I can't quite remember. I think it's uh, Chris and Jill in in the foreground with like. Creepy stuff going on in the background, like a dark no. room or or something. But um, yeah, I I have the Layton's case uh, since my 3DS is imported.
2: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I, I find that
6: to... I like the box art for this game and the title screen is all really fairly generic. Re like the the eyeball yeah. like that doesn't that doesn't do anything for me. It's kind of boring.
2: It's but. also not in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding. I,
7: I I kept looking out for the box with the goo inside. The eyeball goo. But,
2: oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, let's let's talk about um, what do you guys? I know JP, you're not too far into it. What do you guys think of the eni- the creature design? Boring. Yeah, I really? think it's kind of dull too.
6: I don't mean you to know. spoil you, but there's not a single enemy in the game that doesn't feel like a permutation of the last one that you fought. <laughs>
2: Well, what about the, what about the Lance and Shield dudes? They're kind of cool, sort yeah, of. Yeah, I
6: guess that might be the, that, that might be the uh, sole exception. Those guys are kind of neat.
2: Yeah, I, I'll disagree with
7: all of you there. I actually quite <laughs> like the, the return to the sort of zombified type creatures. Uh, particularly the slug things on the beach. Those are just so bizarre. They were,
2: uh. Oh, the, yeah.
7: It was it mission one, two or something? Yeah, one, uh, two. The, Creepy mouth things underneath, and I was like, this is sort of unlike anything we've seen in the series so far, and, and this is just a, a new direction. It's grotesque and disgusting, and, and there's a, a segment towards the end of the game where you're, uh, against a lot of them at once, and I found that to be one of the actual scariest moments of the actual game, because there's just these alien things
2: everywhere. You mean when you're swimming around? Yes. Yeah, that part kind of was hard.
6: Yeah, I I guess I kind of like the classic RE enemy design. I mean, the zombies are always great, but one of the good things about the zombies was they looked like they had been people before. Like, there was a very clear yep. resemblance that this was a person, and then it became a monster. And you still had that in RE4, especially because they were they were closer to
2: people than they were monsters.
5: Now, a bit in this game, though.
2: Not much. A little bit. I think really? Rachel might be the only one who yeah, runs, yeah. still looks a little human. Okay. Sure.
5: I guess that's that's. Yeah, that and then I just fought that boss battle. So I'm saying that. Wasn't that an awesome fight? That was a pretty awesome fight.
6: And then there's the one where, like, I think the
2: there's like a SOS radio uh, the in the background. Skagged, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hate the Skag. <laughs> my least, <laughs> not my least favorite enemy design. Just I hate fighting deads,
6: Yeah. So I guess there, there's a little bit of it, I guess. It's
7: really an asshole to fight against, uh, especially with the whole instant kill thing. It's sort of like the chainsaw enemy from the last few games, I guess. Yeah. Um, I do like that they retain some speech in this game. I mean, it's not like the, the Las Flagas in the way that they can communicate. It's I, I'm not even entirely sure that they know what they're saying. They just spout out words that the I, it is, you could assume the human knew before
5: it died. Like, uh, the... <laughs> the Sorry. Yeah. It was it, like that can get really creepy if you're playing with a sound on. Like, like in the part I played like to go when you're when you're trying to go get the uh, the key to the communications room, and you <laughs> you have to fight the zombified version you know, of the, the, the communications officer. It's like the mayday, and that that's that is yeah. creepy as hell.
2: And there's a time I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it happened to me when you knock him down um, for a melee attack. Some one time he said to me. No, wait! I'm still human. Yeah, please stop. Uh, please stop! That was messed up. I was like, "That's oh, creepy, wow. but cool." Yes, if you're human,
6: uh, put down your chainsaw arm and talk. To <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'll
2: be over here. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> but but most of the most of the enemies, I felt like like the just common zombified enemies. They, you know, some of them were cool, but they all like they're you you fight a billion of them in the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the wolves. I'm just so sick of zombified wolf dogs in Resident Evil, and the hunters. We've seen hunters before, and the and the new hunters are. They stupid. look exactly the same as they always. Did. And they're they're gray and they're they're stupid. <laughs> they're predator camo. It's stupid. And they um they
7: die ridiculously easy compared to in previous games as well. Just uh, that's true. Although this is the
2: first this is the first uh, action. Uh, resident evil where we fought hunters this is true yeah so maybe um, maybe if Jill had a big ass shotgun and a bunch of perks loaded up on it she could have killed him in one hit in the remake too yeah <laughs> the final boss is pretty cool i'll give you that yeah I was, I, I that was would, an inter- that was an interesting fight i liked uh, I liked the final environment more than the
6: final boss, to be perfectly honest. Oh, uh, yeah. The final environment was really neat. Me
7: too, actually. But um, it, it did introduce a, a few aspects that uh, we've seen in other games that Resident Evil haven't done before, like the the, the multiple enemies, and one of them's real, and all and, that. I, yeah. I mean, it's been done in Zelda a million times, but uh, yeah. this is definitely something we haven't seen. Sure. Um...
2: Swimming's new. Swimming's kind of—it's not as bad as it could have been. I didn't Still realize until good. very late.
6: I didn't know until very late in the game that I could hit, I could tap the B button to move faster. Oh, <laughs> so it was <laughs> very tedious like for a while the there. I the third time you're swimming.
7: Oh, by the way, do this and you'll go faster. Oh, gee, thanks. Yeah, uh, no I'm I really needed that before. Um, but uh, I found that the uh, the axis would. Uh, I was expecting the axis to be inverted while swimming, so I would constantly push. Oh, back. oh yeah, I'm sitting like here. Slamming into the ceiling, and oh wait, no, that's not the way I want to go. What yeah, are
6: you doing?
4: Yeah.
6: One of the things that kind of bugged me as I as I was playing it, um, and I don't want to get too heavy on the on the, sto- on the store because I know JP hasn't finished it yet, but at, at this point. How far removed are we from the Resident Evil games that I've already played <laughs> and know and love? Like, this has nothing to do with anything else that's ever happened in the series, as far as I can no. tell. It just seems...
2: Yeah, but but the produ- the game's producer was saying before the game launched, we should have just called this Resident Evil 6.
5: Except they're making Resident Evil 6, They it's are making coming Resident out Evil this <laughs> fall, so that's clearly not what they
2: <laughs> Code Veronica was a spinoff, too, and Code
6: Veronica was tied pretty neatly into the, the series. Oh, yeah. It was actually pretty directly a sequel to the games that had come before it. This game feels like, aside from the fact that it's Chris and Jill, and there's a very brief passing mention of Umbrella, there's nothing that ties it to the previous Resident Evil games at all.
2: And Maybe it, the doesn't, set missed, a, it but... doesn't set up the backstory of Resident Evil Five, which disappointed me.
7: Um, yeah, I, uh, having played every game in the series, I, I've even gone significantly into the Game Boy Color title. I'm. Gaiden? Yes, I, I'm not ashamed nice. to say that. It, it was actually quite good. It, it maintains some of the original game's feel with the scrounging for ammo and and barely surviving from one room to the next and such, but um
2: I've always wanted to play that. Yes! Yes,
7: it, yes it was! <laughs> it. uh, I think it starred Barry?
6: Yes, it did. Yes. It's <laughs> a bad um, sign right off the bat. <laughs> Barry is your protagonist. Like is giant
4: handguns. When I was
6: playing, I just kept waiting for there to be some sort of tie, like, oh my god, it turns out Rachel was actually Claire, or something. <laughs> like, I just kept waiting for something to tie back into the series, and at the end, there was all this intrigue and, and twists and turns, and none of it mattered to me, because the only characters I even kind of care about are Chris and
2: Jill, and I don't really even care about them. Aww. I wanted yeah. Wesker's name to pop up at some yeah, point. Yeah, like no, I was actually no.
7: expecting him to show up in the game. Uh,
6: um, if I'm not mistaken,
2: wasn't Wesker the
6: <laughs> primary antagonist of the entire franchise until four? Yes, pretty much. Was he in four?
2: He was kind of a background antagonist until uh, until five, really. Okay,
6: is he in five? I haven't played five. Oh
2: yeah, oh, yeah. he's okay. he's a huge part of five. Okay, that's good.
6: We should play that online, Andy. Well, I don't have the. Th- PS3 version. God, damn it, nobody got. does. I've got the Windows games for Windows Live slash <laughs> oh, yeah. Steam version. Oh, one day I'd like to pick it up for some system that I can play it with. I mean, I played with Nathan for a little bit on on Windows, but it right. was just a pain in the ass to play it on Windows. Um, they should just port it to 3DS. <laughs> hey, Dun, done, not? and done. They
5: could didn't they? Didn't somebody say that they to, to to test for this and they did kind of port some parts of Rv5 part to 3DS?
2: Yeah, they ported mercenaries. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, honestly, like I'm so impressed with the way the online works in raid mode. I'd be happy to play it online. Like I was. Actually, Except there's no join function. Yeah. Well, there's no. Well, sure there is, as long as you do it before the game starts. Not off the menu. You you oh, can't oh, see not, if other people okay. are gotcha. ready to go. Gotcha. You have to just go into the game and hope for the best. And really, right? I mean, right.
5: there should be voice chat.
6: Oh, I, don't, yeah, I don't get why yeah. there isn't.
5: There were a ton of games on DS that had voice tracks. Well, at least like some me. sort
6: of, like, communication at all would be nice.
5: Yeah, but I mean, this mean, you've, you've got a microphone, you've got a headphone jack, you can just do it. It's not like the Wii where you have to worry about hardware and all that. Yeah. It's it's right there, and, and this game really could have used it.
7: I agree. Yeah, I was just about to say this is one of the games that really could have benefited. Like, uh, I'm over here, quick, I'm surrounded, come help me,
6: something. Yeah.
2: But, um, Andy, swim left, swim left. <laughs> no, the other <laughs> left.
6: Yeah, Zach and I were playing this, and, like, I think I got really turned around, and I was lost, 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 and finally I just drowned. And I, I drowned, like, too, you try trying to
2: find um, him.
5: Before we get too far into raid mode, I would like to ask you guys' opinion on what you think of the whole scanning aspect of the game.
2: I love
6: it to death. I just kind of stopped doing it after a w- while. Was that
7: sarcasm?
2: No, I do love it.
5: I didn't like it that much, actually.
2: I didn't. It's like how it that you much. find ammo.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's like you, you. I don't know how you could possibly have enough ammo to play the game without doing this game.
6: Well, I didn't never do it, but I often forgot to do it, and I, I found myself frustrated when I would scan something and I would like pick up on um, pick up a signal of an item that was like not in the current room. Yeah, it would be like, yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, you trust, it,
5: like sometimes you couldn't even get to that room. Like or
6: it's downstairs. It. I would really rather they they only give you like. Like results for the current room that you're in, because I found it to be frustrating when I would clearly see something that I couldn't go and get. And so after a while, I just kind of stopped messing with it. I tried to do it as often as I could remember, but I just forgot.
2: I like scanning I would enemies get one it's, from like
7: it, the next room across for some reason.
2: Yeah, yeah. I like scanning enemies because there's kind of a it's a real uh, risk to do it sometimes, but kind of gets your blood going. I'm almost at 100, percent but he's right in my face. What do you get for oh, 100? Yeah. Uh, uh, herb. Uh, herb. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, okay. But if you scan every enemy in the game, you get something.
7: It's like a machine part for a gun
6: or something. No, oh, okay. I think part of me would have liked to have gotten a little bit of information out of the scanning, kind of like Metroid. Like DVD. Metroid Prime. Right. you know. I kept yeah. expecting it to happen, and it never happened. Like I would like to. If I scan an enemy, I want to. I want to know what the enemy's called. Yeah.
4: At like the very. That's least. true.
2: Yeah, none of the enemies are named in this game except Hunters.
6: I mean, doesn't it feel a little weird to scan an enemy in the <laughs> game? What what purpose does that serve in the game? Like, in the story of the game, if you're Jill Valentine, what do you get out of that? Not,
4: you, apparently you get <laughs>
6: an herb out of midair. Apparently you feed, you feed like, visual, visual information into a computer, handheld computer, and it poops out an herb for you.
2: That's, a 3D that's, printed herb. A 3D printed <laughs> herb.
5: Fancy solar city with their outer space solar laser thing. You know, so like stupid!
2: Oh you can, my you God. can
5: make you can make herbs out of thin air. Why not? The, the you
2: basis, can do this is 2005. Why not? The basis for the story is so stupid. Oh, it's, it's stupid. terrible. <laughs> oh, by the way, there was this floating city they built in like two years. Uh, oh, yeah, built, and this during all like the other Resident games, <laughs> yeah,
5: nobody mentioned this at all in the other games. <laughs> it just kind of happened. Uh. Oh, no, that's another the,
2: thing I want to bring up. This I, hate, I hate every cast member in this game except <laughs> Jill and I don't even like Chris all that much in this game. But I but never really like, liked Chris. Parker Parker is like the worst partner in the world. Uh and no, Jessica, Jessica is Jessica is bitch. the
6: worst partner in the world.
2: <laughs> and and that dude with the red hair is a wow. Oh, uh, yeah. Raymond Raymond, oh, Raymond. And, right. And then the two, kind of overseer guys are stupid too. (laughs) uh, What's his name, Jackass? Jackass and and, and Grinder. They are the worst characters in the series.
7: I tried to shoot him many times. I was dismayed when it didn't work.
6: I just found the story to be nonsensical. Like it didn't. From what I
5: understand, that's Resident Evil.
6: No, it is. I think part of it is like it's too difficult to, to easily translate from Japanese where it might make more sense. I, mean, <laughs> I don't
5: think it could... It, I, I, even if you played this in Japanese, I don't think it would make that much
6: sense. I played the remake, and I think the remake made a lot of sense. I, I think the yeah. remake told a really good story. Um, yeah, and Code, it, I think Code Veronica did, too. I was really into the story at Code Veronica. Uh, 4, I yeah. thought, was a little confusing. I remember loving the story in 4 by the end. Um but there was a lot
2: that went unexplained in four that annoyed me a little. I just, bit.
6: I think in four, I was still, I was still just sort of also waiting for it to tie back to the previous games, and it didn't nearly as much as I was thinking it would. It actually,
2: it it, it actually barely did at all. Yeah. Mm. Until the very bitter end of the game, when you exactly. find out who Ada's working for, you're like, oh, okay, I get it now.
6: Yeah, exactly. I guess I need, I need to at this point assume that the Resident Evil story from the first few games is at this point done. Um no more viruses. But I I, I want to say that I mean it's been a long time since I played it. I think it's you know, I think I played it in like 2003. But Code Veronica I think ended on sort of
2: a cliffhanger. Um, well, it ended with with Wesker stealing a sample of the T virus, beating Chris up, and running.
6: Well, Didn't I think I want to like say
7: I want to say it ended. At, or something?
6: It ended with like. Oh yeah, he did. Chris and, Chris and Claire on a helicopter, like saying something to the effect of "We're going to take the fight to them." Uh, right, and
2: then the Umbrella Chronicles um, took care of that. Oh,
6: did it? Okay, I never played that.
2: Oh, really? It it has. It's, it's uh, the last. It's,
5: if you the can last, get if you can get past the fact that
2: it's a rail shooter, it's it's a really good game. It's a really good rail it's, shooter. Like,
5: yeah,
2: Resident Evil encyclopedia of everything. Oh, it is. It, yeah. That's true. And the last the last mission, uh, Andy is is Jill and Chris taking it to Umbrella's Russian. Branch like their last stronghold. It's pretty awesome.
6: No kidding. I borrowed it from a friend, and I played the first mission or two, but I got bored with it because it was a light gun game, and I just didn't. I wasn't yeah, that it. was like it, it's, a, it
2: was, it's a good one. It's I mean it's I mean. It also doesn't help that the first game they put you in is Resident Evil Zero, which is the worst of the old Resident Evil games. Right.
4: Really. Really. Oh yeah.
2: Oh, I know you like Rebecca, but but, but, but come we're on. The dude? <laughs> so stupid. Oh my gosh, I, hate yeah, I never, I
6: never finished R2 And he never
2: either. shows up again. Oh,
7: that Billy Cohen. I, I just yeah, assumed Billy he Cohen. died in the woods.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he got eaten by Lisa. <laughs> Let's talk about Raid Mode a bit. Like, what do you guys think of
6: Raid Mode? Have you put any time into it? I've uh, put a lot of time into I it. I haven't <laughs>
7: played any
5: of it yet.
7: I have cleared the first six
2: missions, I think. Okay. I'm, I'm at level 50 with a red name and I have S's on everything.
6: Well, aren't you just something else?
2: And I've completed 127 missions. It's so
6: great. Zach was instrumental in helping me blow through like 10 missions very quickly. <laughs> with his one <laughs> I know, hit, it hit was, hit kill. I it was funny,
2: Andy, because I'd see you like emptying your magazines into a monster and I'd just walk over there with a magnum and shoot it in the head instead. Yeah. I I, th- I love raid mode. I I love one thing I really like.
6: I love the the fact that you can see the level of an enemy and also the how quickly his health is draining. And when I got yeah. used to that, and when I, when I went back to the campaign, I was really annoyed that it wasn't there anymore.
2: Oh, me too. I'm going through the campaign again to get some some bonus stuff, and yeah, I can't stand it.
7: I have found occasionally that the health bars above the enemies do occasionally get in the way when you're trying to line up that perfect headshot or or whatever. I'm like, uh, but for the most part, being able to see just how many shots an enemy will still take before it's dead is very
6: useful. Mm Oh yeah, definitely. I think some of of the raid mode missions get a little too bogged down in puzzle solving. There's that one um, uh, where you have to adjust the steam coming out of the pipes. Oh, that one is just a bit Yeah, You have to get the right you have to, there's two different switches, and they both have to be on the right setting to get the Steam turned off. And I met, I mean, maybe it's easier than I was making it out to be, but I messed that thing for probably like a half an hour before I just stumbled across the right one, the right combination of the switches. Do you, do you... I want, I want Raid Mode to not have any
2: puzzles. I want Raid Mode to be a straight-up <laughs> right. action. Well, they, they took out the, uh, screwdriver puzzles from Raid Mode. Yeah, they did. Yes. Thank God. I
7: found those actually kind of fun.
2: If you guys and our listeners want to know the, uh, the quick and dirty on that steam puzzle, you, you go into the first air, first, you go and turn the first nozzle that you can turn, and that'll notes. turn off, and that'll turn off the steam downstairs, right? Then you go downstairs, and you work your way back up to the second upstairs nozzle, you turn that, and then you run to the other side of that same room, turn the first nozzle again, and then you're good.
7: No okay, that was too fast to write down. I'll just listen to it online.
2: Okay. When we first it? nozzle, second nozzle, first okay. nozzle again.
6: Nice. I just yeah. don't, I don't want to have to bother with that in raid mode. No, thought, me neither. I thought that was a bit oh, much on the puzzle solving. I want raid mode, I want to be just running around, shooting monsters, trying to get to the end. Yeah.
7: By the way, those little blowfish thing in raid mode, uh, uh, I think there seems to be yellow, one per The mission. yellow
2: porcupine fish. Yeah,
7: what what the hell are they? What's up? They're with just
2: that? they're just a bonus monster. You get them for um, I think you get them when you clear certain rooms, um, and there are some missions where you'll have to kill a certain amount of them. Huh. But okay, because just, they're rare, those missions are harder to do. I just
7: saw nothing at all like that throughout the entire campaign mode, and and this was just
2: unique. Yeah. They're kind of like the golden Harry Potter thing. <laughs> the, um, snitch. That's golden the snitch.
4: Thing,
2: yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really like raid mode, and once I got it online, I liked it even more. Um, although, oh, wow, I have a problem with, with some of the raid mode people. I've been trying since I unlocked it to get through the ghost ship, which is the, the bonus mission at the end of raid mode that's super hard um and you need you clearly need two people and they both clearly have to be at level 50 to, to do this wow. and so i see somebody online who's at level 50 and is ready to go with the ghost ship i go to the game with them they drop their level down to level 1 start the mission and hit the, ver- the- hit the first fake uh level ending medal right away what? Every time that's happened to me. Nobody has done an actual ghost ship run, and it pisses me off so much. Wait, why? will Why? I'll tell you why people are doing it. They just want to rank. They just want to build up the number of people who they've met online, which lets you unlock a mission. Oh. Ah. Uh, yeah. I'm not there, Zach. But I'm, I'm halfway there, so. Alright, we'll do a, we'll do a ghost mode run when you hit level 50. Okay. Sure, I'll be up for that too. Nice. We'll rock it. It's, uh, it's really hard. Like the enemies start out at level 1 and they, you kind of go through the whole ship and they build up to level 50, but they all do the same amount of damage. So a level 1 enemy will do as much as a 50. Oh, wow. And, uh, it's really hard. Wow. Sounds good. Sounds good. And there are almost no pickups during the whole thing. So yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Excellent. Wow. It's a good game. Yeah, everyone should play it. And you don't need the Circle Pad Pro with it. I agree. I like yeah. it a lot. I, I'm not.
6: I'm not paying twenty bucks for it. That's crazy. If it had been bundled for five or ten extra, I might have gone for it. But I'm not paying twenty bucks for it. No way.
2: I paid thirty.
6: Who paid thirty? Well, wow. because
2: shipping to Alaska is not cheap
6: i just oh, gonna get, Oh, I forgot. You. you won't. You won't go to GameStop. Never mind.
2: Nope.
6: <laughs> Why didn't you just go to your local, your local Nintendo World Store in, in Alaska? They have one of those there, right? Yes. I'm sure they did. No. Yeah. All right. All right, guys.
4: I'm All go. right. I'm gonna go. Thanks for coming,
2: everybody. Yep. Ciao. So? We'll see you. Bye.
4: Bye.
0: Alright, and that will do it for this week's episode of Connectivity. Thank you very much for listening. As always, you can send us listener mail to connectivity at Uh if you get a chance. rate and review us on iTunes. We would love that. Um, and again, you can stick around after this outro here to hear a bonus segment about Chrono Cross. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. And welcome to this seg- uh, bonus segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson, and today I'm joined by Neil Ronahan. Hi, hi. And Nate Andrews. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about Chrono Cross, the, um, well, the not-so-loved sequel to Chrono Trigger. I had just played it recently to completion for the first time. Neil played it a long time ago and just sort of refreshed his memory a little bit. And Nate, I think, are you playing through it the first time right now,
4: Nate? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay.
8: Yeah. I considered getting it like a long time ago, but this is my first time.
4: Yeah.
0: So Chrono Cross. Um yeah, very uh very hated. Um Is it though? I think it is. I think it's well, misunderstood. I'd say it's divisive
1: yeah. because it seems like there is a good component of people that really like the you know, the battle mechanics in it, which I, I think are really good. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, a lot of people are turned off by the story, but I think there are also people that kind of enjoy the story, me being one of them. Although, I I do kind of completely understand complaints where people say that the story of Chrono Cross is like fan fiction gone awry. Um, (laughs) And I mean, that that is the kind of thing that's like, when you hear everything that happens in the game, it does kind of give off that vibe. But for me, and we'll get into this more later, Like I always really enjoyed the story of this because of just the random places it takes the story, and it and it doesn't really make that much sense, but I think it's fun that way.
0: Right. It kind of we'll we'll talk about the story uh, later, but it does kind of leave you guessing most of the point and most of the game, and then at the very end, there's like a scene where everything's sort of explained to you, and you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. it during it you're kind of just along for the ride, you don't really know what's going on.
1: So I guess um, for this first part of it you're probably okay if you don't want to be spoiled, but I imagine that as we get later into this segment, and I I assume we will note this hopefully in show notes and in the actual audio of when we get to spoiler territory. Yeah,
0: I, I would just assume that if you don't want to be spoiled at all, you probably shouldn't listen.
1: <laughs> because
0: yeah. I, I think the real spoilers will come later, but things are probably going to be dropped in here and there. So if you don't want to be spoiled on this 12-year-old game, um, I would skip it, but then again, if you haven't played the game, none of this is probably going to make sense to you, um, outside of a few of the ties to Chrono Trigger, so, yeah, so I don't know if it'll be spoiled that much, but I want to talk, before we go to story, of just sort of the, um, the mechanics of the game, as well as the, um, sort of the visuals and the, uh, the music from the game, um, as I find both are, um, very well done, um, Yep, play, playing it again, I, I was surprised at how great it actually looks, considering it's a, a PS1 game.
1: Um, <laughs> it, it's funny because when I uh, when I was playing it again, I was like, "Wow, this looks really shitty." But it is a PS1 <laughs> game, so it's okay.
0: I, it impresses me as far as a PS1
1: game goes. The art style is um, really it's, not that bad. I it's mean, it is the kind of thing. Yeah, is, like yeah. like I wouldn't say that graphically it's it's good. Like I mean, but that, that again it's a PlayStation game from the year two thousand. It's yeah, you know, twelve years old at this point, three generations ago. But, you know, the character design, which I think Toriyama, um, that the Dragon Ball guy who also famously was a member of the dream team for Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. Um he I think he did some of the character designs for this, but it's it's less apparent than it is in like the Dragon Quest and Chrono Trigger stuff he did, mainly because those were in two D. See, I thought he didn't have anything to do with this I one. I think he did.
0: Mm. At least a little bit. Maybe I'd have to double check. You I I
1: ready. I go on about explaining things, and I have the <laughs> Wikipedia page <laughs> open. I'll I'll research this.
0: Yeah, I I I just think the whole art style is very impressive, and just just little touches here and there. Um, even when like the battles load, you know, sometimes like let's say you're in a dungeon, there'll be spiders that run across a wall or something as the uh, the camera's like zooming into the fight and stuff, and just these little little touches. And the characters are highly detailed uh, during battle, and even on the maps uh, map screen and. While you're navigating, um, you know, navigable space. Uh, but due to <laughs> what they were trying to do, the game constantly drops frame rate, especially during yeah. battle. I mean, like, it will just chug <laughs> at times, like, just, just horribly.
1: Alright, um, I stand corrected. Toriyama had nothing to do with it, although I'm, read- I I'm reading a little bit about how the artists from the game did, you know, take from Chrono Trigger a little bit, so that's probably where the similarity comes from.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, there, there is some style that's, um, replicated, but then again, it, it, even too, kinda goes off in its own direction. Yeah. Um, so I think the characters look better in Chrono Trigger, they're a little more memorable to me.
4: Fair, true. Um,
0: well. But there's I'm... some good designs, like, there's, like, the alien
1: Starkey, yeah. He's pretty cool. Like, the, the um, Pikmin, like, guy, that's, or Olimar, rather. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the one thing that kinda kills the, the memorable characters in this game is the fact that there is, you know, 40-something of them. Yes. Um, there are a couple characters that are really well defined, and and they are good characters. But I mean, it's a it's that in conundrum of you know you have the series where there's always a ton of characters to choose from, but that means that you know a lot of characters are you know you don't really care about them.
0: Right. And that that's a a big problem with this game, and I, I've written about it before, like um when I did the write up when we were doing like the top Super Nintendo games, and I wrote about Final Fantasy three. Um, slash six. I wrote that, you know, it's got a, a fairly large cast, but every character's like well developed and you get their backstory and you really know like why they're in your party to begin with. But with Chrono Cross, I mean, they just go overboard with, yeah, like over 40 characters that just randomly meet and they're just like, okay, I'll come with you. And that's it.
4: <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, you know,
1: there's, you have to re- play the game through twice in order to get everything. Yeah. I do love the instances throughout the game where, uh, like, uh, well, there's kid who's uh, an essential character uh, to the point where you can reject her from coming into your party, but she will still be present at most of the game's events.
0: Yeah, she'll just she'll just show up.
1: <laughs> and then you do have stuff where like you can get potional in either of the two dimensions, and it's like if you ignore one character, then that opens up another character later. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff like that. That actually, when I did sit through and play this game, I had a list of all the characters and just like when you could obtain them and when. And like if you ignored this one, would you get that one? Because I just wanted to, you know, see what all the options were. And I mean it's incredible how many different characters you can get in this
4: game.
0: Yeah. And you're right, all different situations. Like some you do have to ignore and then that lets others into your party. Like even even right in the beginning with Kid, if you reject her the first time, then um the girl from your village will join yep. your party. Lena. Whereas if you Yeah, Lena, exactly. Whereas if you don't reject Kid and she joins your party, like that's it, you never get Lena again. Like that's your yep. one opportunity. So it's just kind of it's interesting, I mean, but just way, way too many characters. I mean, to the point where people were joining my party, and I I never looked at them again after they were there. <laughs> you know, I had a few favorites, and as I put along, like I, I would occasionally meet a uh, one who looked cool, who I wanted to incorporate into my party. But, I mean, I, I used at most six of the, uh yeah, like 40 characters. Yeah. So it was just, it, I don't know why they decided to do that. It was Although, just way overboard.
1: I mean, I can see, you know, having a lot of characters kind of works out. I mean, it does give you that variety of like, you know, if you like the design of a character, then you can use them. But also the right. way the game's story flows, and more, we're getting into spoiler territory here if you haven't left already. But when uh Surge switches bodies with Links, um, you know, like probably I guess like eight hours in or something like that.
0: Yeah, probably about a third of the way through. Yeah.
1: Um. Then you basically have a whole new cast because you know you switch bodies and people don't think mm-hmm. that you are Links. They right. So you you are Surge.
0: A- yeah, so you have to build a whole new, yeah, reserve of party members. Yep. Yeah, and so that sucks too, because yeah, you'll get attached to these characters, and then, like, they're all taken away from you, which is a cool idea, but then it's not so much later in the game that you get everyone back, and it's just like, I don't know, it's just kind of pointless. Yeah. <laughs> and then way, at that point, you have
1: all these characters.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, and now you've, now you've got your new ones that are your favorites, and your old ones that are your favorites, and your party's only three people, and Surge has to be there, <laughs> so... Yeah, there's only, only so much you can do. Now, the second time you play the game, you do get an item, if you do a new game plus, that you don't have to have Surge in your party. Um, oh, that's cool. He's still on the map screen, but three you can have three different characters come in um, during battles. So, I guess there's that, but still not very useful. Um, the combat in this game, I, I think, is very interesting. Um, rather than just typical, you know, select a move, perform that move, and then wait till you get another turn... Um, they try to make it sort of more of an active, active system, um, where basically you have stamina. So you've got, I think, seven points of stamina. Yep. Or maybe maybe it's eight, but yeah, I no, think it's seven. No, Okay. Uh-huh. And um, you can do light, medium, or heavy attacks, which drain your stamina in different ways. And then you can also uh, perform magic attacks, which completely take seven stamina. But what you can do is you can... You know, attack till you have one stamina left, then cast a magic spell, and then you'll just be at negative six. So you have to wait a little longer before you can come back and yeah. attack, but it allows you to do a lot of damage, you know, in one one round.
1: Yeah, because theoretically, you know, you could do, like, two normal attacks, and then... Or even, you could do a string of light attacks, and yeah. then just kick it off with, with an elemental attack.
0: Yeah, right at the very end, yeah. And then just to take yourself into the negatives, but yeah, get a whole lot of damage. Um... Also to use your magic attacks you have to build up your um your grid
4: mm-hmm. which basically yep. your
0: your grid goes up to I think it's 8 levels and every time maybe it's even 9 and every time you attack you like let's say you do a light attack which is worth one stamina well then you get one point towards your magic grid yep now, if you do a heavy attack which is 3 points of stamina you get 3 points towards your magic grid so you have to build up to do your bigger special attacks um it's just kind of cool there's a lot of strategy there not to mention that you can equip yourself with any magic, so you collect them, and it's basically sort of like materia where you just um you just slap whatever you want into your grid with a few exceptions where you know like the most powerful summons you have to be that innate color, so if you want to cast like a water summon, your character has to be a water innate
4: yeah, and is, isn't
1: there the the stuff where um like you know you have these different elements and these elements are different levels that would then like so it could be like a level two attack but you could put it at level four, so it will do more damage the, right yeah. Or like it could be a level four attack, but it'll be at level two, but it won't be as effective.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of cool. And if you equip it on a character who's that innate color, it does more damage. Yep. Um.
1: And then the well. um, the the field. Um,
0: right. I was just gonna say that too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you explain it. It's more. It's fresh in your mind.
0: <laughs> so also when you start a battle, um, there's field color, which is basically three different um, elemental colors: so black, red, white, blue, green, yellow. Any of those um and then as you cast spells you shift the field color so if you cast a red spell well now you've added a red color to the field and if you cast three red spells in a row um the field becomes all red and then red attacks do extra damage and then you can also cast your summons at that point so you can't just cast your summons anytime you want you have to completely shift the field color yep. to to the color of the summon so which requires strategy cuz your enemies also affect the field colors. so you could use two blue attacks, be ready to do one more so you could use your summon, and then the enemy casts a red attack, and then you have to start all over, and you have to cast three more. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool, and it, it requires some planning. It, it's annoying sometimes. You'll be there just ready to use your summon, um, and then, you know, the enemy uses a spell and shifts the color, and it messes up everything, and then you got to kind of start over with that, but... It's, it's, it's neat. It's just a cool idea, and unlike anything that had been done at the time, or even really since, I, I guess.
1: It's uh, a really awesome system, in all honesty. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I've really seen a game do anything similar to it, and it's probably the best part of the game outside of the music, which is phenomenal. Um, right. And And one last thing about the battle system is, at the end of every battle, it gives you the option to, like, heal everyone yeah. <laughs> using consumables or not using consumables, so... Instead of you know after a fight having to like, go to the menu screen and casting cure heal on everyone at the end of the battle, you can just be like, all right, um, you know if 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 I have magic magic ability or elemental abilities to heal, just use that at the end of the battle to heal everyone that got hurt. Which during, is like, so you know, awesome! Yeah. It,
0: it keeps the game moving so quickly yeah. between battles,
1: and it's really a forward-thinking thing too because I don't really know if any games kind of did that back then. I mean, no. now a lot of that streamlined experience is, is key. I know in a Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, it's the kind of stuff where, you know, you collect all this random shit, but when you go to a town, it'll just be like sell crap. And it'll be like, you know, like how in like, you know, Elder Scrolls games, how you'll be collecting, you know, all these random books and and like gear that you're never going to use and goblets and stuff like that whereas in in Reckoning it just streamlines it all. But that's still a new concept and to have something like that in an RPG in 2000 is pretty neat,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, it's it, very, very forward-thinking and just very uh, inventive, really. Um, and it does; it keeps the pace going, it keeps everything moving along, which is great. Um, another thing too, but and then we'll we'll move on from combat. But um, the leveling system. Now, when you beat bosses, um, you gain stars, which increases your um, like your magic grid, or your element grid. And then um, you also, all your characters get, like, a base improvement in stats. So they'll all get, like, increases in health and uh magic resistance and strength and all that. But after a boss battle, as you're fighting more regular enemies, whoever's in your party will gain little, like, incremental uh stat boosts. So after a boss fight, let's say you're fighting some other enemies in a new area, after a fight you might get, like, plus one to your health. Or maybe you'll get plus one to your strength. And so, what that does is it keeps everyone in your party generally close and useful, so you can switch at any time. but it kind of encourages um i guess playing with more characters or even just just sticking with a party that you know you're gonna wanna stick with um because then that those members are you know increased a little bit extra as you're using them, and it's just kind of neat. there's no experience points there's no no real you know sense of grinding um you just kind of use them and then you gain little boosts,
1: yeah. It's kind of neat. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Just as interesting. Um, let's talk about the music for a second. Because it's awesome.
1: It's amazing. Um,
0: Nate, game music is kind of your thing. Uh, do you have anything you, you want to say specifically about the music?
8: Um, I think it's probably, uh, Mitsuda's best work. It's, uh-huh. it's, uh, it's kind of like Chrono Trigger. There's some, it's like some similar themes and stuff. Yeah, but if you compare the two, Chrono Cross is just so much more uh, like organic and flowing. Yeah, and uh, a lot more natural sounding, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it really hits on this like Mediterranean kind of setting. Yeah, you know, like it, it it fits this this aquatic uh, island atmosphere very well, I think. Um, and then it, it's also very like solemn at times. You yeah, know, the,
8: like the like the overworld theme is very like, detached, yeah. kind of just, like, something out of time.
0: Yeah, it really, like, it, it, it creates this whole mood, which really fits the game well. Um, you know, there, there are some heroic tracks, but for the most yeah, part, it is very, like, introspective, and, yeah, just sort of, like, even kind of mysterious at times. So, I, I love it. Um, you'll hear a lot of this, at least a few selections of this, uh, throughout this episode, so hopefully you will enjoy that. Um, but, let's move to the story. That's the real bread and butter, and that's why this game is sort of despised, yep, because yep. the mechanics are all there, it, it's very uh, inventive, but th- this is where things kind of hit the fan for people. Um
1: I let's, guess, let's re- sh- should we just, like, explain the story?
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. how can I, we, we do that? Like, <laughs> keep, it, keep it to a paragraph. Five words. <laughs> five words. <laughs> um, crazy, insane, bullshit stuff.
0: Everything you did was wrong. Let's just, let's just try here. We'll, we'll do this as cohesive as possible. So, in Chrono Trigger, you basically change history to prevent Labos hatching in the center of the earth and, and destroying humanity as we know it. Um, now, in Chrono Cross, and this isn't apparent at first, this kind of comes later in the game, definitely in the, the second half and, and very much near the end, this becomes, the, begins to become clear, but, um, the actions of the heroes of Chrono Trigger basically created this new future um and sent Lavos and Shala, which was um Magus's sister um yeah. like through this like time vortex where they became one and uh um, it's
1: it's like the what is it the beyond time or something yeah, I think so, and they become um, they become the time devourer
0: yes yeah so they they fuse in this like uh time vortex and they they become the main villain and so they're um they're sort of just waiting uh biding their time. Um, meanwhile, um, the humans created Chronopolis to like study time and, and learn more about uh changing time. And <laughs> this is where it gets so so weird. So they basically brought the um, like the reptiles from Chrono Trigger um, from the past to the to the future and then um, subjugated them and like uh I guess tried to like kill them all. And that that's the they became the dragons in Chrono Cross. And you think the dragons are the good guys as you're playing and they're kinda of helping you along and, and sending you on your quest. But then once you free the dragons, it turns out they were the, the reptiles who hate the humans and yep. uh you know want vengeance for having to live and uh live that way for this long in sub subjugation. So then they, they want to destroy the earth and everything, and then you have to fight the dragons. Um Yeah. <laughs> I, that, I mean that that's part of it, and then your main well, characters.
1: So there's Go all ahead. this stuff with Surge, where yes. uh, like he's the main character, and when the game begins, um, I think he has like a messed up dream or something, and then you know he wakes up in the island town. It's you know the typical RPG trope, and then he winds up going to a beach, and then goes into an alternate reality. Um, I forget wh- why is there an alternate reality. Um, he's just on the beach. He's on the beach, and he hear
0: he hears someone like saying his name, and then he um, he it it just happens. It just it's just triggered. And he, but he I mean, why is there
1: through. isn't? I mean, what's the difference between the two alternate realities?
0: Well, one where surge lived, and one where yeah. surge died.
1: And the whole thing with that is that um, at some point, surge was attacked by a panther demon, <laughs> and then um, well, I guess I guess in one he just drowns. And that that is that is a lynx. Who's this panther villain? That's his doing. And in the one where he survives, at some point, Serge is attacked by a panther demon, Uh and then his dad, Wazuki, um, takes him on a boat um, (laughs) going to, um, I I think Marble or something. Yeah, yeah, to 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 one uh, of the other cities in the world to, um, you know, get help. And while he's on his way, you don't find this out at first, but it's it kinda you come to understand that that like um while Serge is crying, he's he's a young child at this point, um Shala I guess hears him or something and then causes this giant storm to happen. Yeah. And in the process, uh ends up healing Serge um because you're yeah, like, exposed to what is it, the Dragon Tear the Frozen Flame or whatever the MacGuffin is yeah and then Wizuki Serge's dad is then turned into he's corrupted by this and he's turned into Lynx who is is the villain for the first part of the game
4: mm-hmm.
1: and i mean it's just it's ridiculous <laughs>
0: it's just that's <laughs> all... yeah, that's all feasible <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so it, it's just all over the place um and i I guess serge was was meant to die like in the main the main storyline. Yeah. I think he was supposed oh. to drown. Um, but actually, what stopped him from drowning was Kid. Yes, um, all right, travel- I just
1: noticed that on Wikipedia. Yeah, right <laughs> she
0: travels through time and and prevents you from drowning, which cl- then creates these split universes. Um, where one where you were supposed to die and one where you didn't. Um,
1: yeah, and then Surge becomes the arbiter.
0: Yeah, what, what happened and, is, and they there's, land, there's they, land at, they land at,
1: they <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it gets so crazy. So, they land, they land at Chronopolis when he's still hurt. Um, that's where the storm brings him and his father. Um, and that's where he finds the, the dragon, the frozen flame and is healed. But they land at Chronopolis and he, he like enters this room and because he's the one to enter it, he becomes like the arbor. He becomes the only one who could open that room again. Um, and this is a protocol that's actually carried out by um Robo from the first game. Yep. Um who's had his like memory put into this this big supercomputer by Luca at some point.
1: Yeah. Um, um and then refer to him as Prometheus, which is yeah. uh it was his name at some point in Trigger, yeah. if memory serves me correctly.
0: Yeah. So that's why later Lynx wants to switch bodies with search so then he can open the uh, the door and get to the, the super computer, the yeah, mother brain, I think is what they even call it. Yeah.
1: Um which um, is well also a tie to Chrono Trigger, because yeah. the computer in the future and that is called Mother Brain. Yes. Um, and then, uh, well, I guess how Luca, uh goes into all of this is, um, there's a few times throughout the story where you see, like, the ghosts of Chrono, Marl, and... Is it Marl or Marley? I, I never knew that. I always called her Marl. When... I think I always said Marl, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marl and Luca, You you see, like, the ghosts of them periodically throughout the game. And mm-hmm. Um, you don't really know what happens to Chrono and, and Marle. It is presumed that they got married, um, and then they probably eventually died. It's, it's not really known too specifically, and I think, uh, who's, who's the guy, what was it, Masato Kato or whatever, who, i probably booked here his name, I think he's the guy who's, who is, like, the planner behind this, and he also worked on Chrono Trigger. Mm. Um, and he says that, like, that, you know, that just wasn't relevant to the story, that's why we never heard that, about what yeah. happened to Chrono and Marle. Or moral, whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. But Luca, as you find out, and there's actually uh, there was an end, or at least a scene added to an ending in Chrono Trigger DS, which which makes this officially canon. So, haha. <laughs> um, Chrono Cross really happened. But uh I guess Kid is a clone of Shala,
4: Shala, yes. and
1: she is sent by Balthazar, one of the one of like the gurus. Yeah, from Corona Trigger, who was presumed dead at the end of Corona Trigger, but I guess not.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and he sent Kid to Luca for Luca to raise and be involved in this thing called Project Kid, which I guess I, I mean it's one of those things where it's like how how does this ever make sense? It reminds me of In Skyward Sword, how it's like you know the the minor Skyward Sword spoiler, how like the well I guess I'll, I'll say it in vagueness, how there's like these two different completely different things set up that were supposed to save the Earth if thing, things went wrong, and then this it's like, how does Project Kid, it's just like, on the off chance that, like, Lavos and Shala fuse, we're gonna send this kid to Luka, and then that kid's <laughs> gonna gonna grow up and then go back in time and save Surge, who's then going to go and unleash the dragons yeah. and make everything really bad, but then fix it at the end. Yep. Exactly.
0: Um, so, yeah, so it, it's a whole big deal. It, it it's a little less confusing than how we're explaining it, but it's still not very much clear. <laughs> and, and and to me, the the one downside about it, because I find the story actually kind of interesting, um, the one downside is that it's a mystery to you until pretty much the very end of the game. Um, in the beginning, you're just kind of doing your thing, oh, you're in an alternate dimension, you gotta get home, you know, that that's all straightforward, and then the body switching happens, I and mean, then it's just kind of like you're going through the motions and you don't really know why. Like, you're kind of jumping from, from dimension to dimension, and... and I mean, yeah, you're trying to get your body back, but then you end up at Chronopolis and you meet Miguel, who is <laughs> uh, Serge's dad's friend who got stuck there uh, like, Lena's, when all that Lena's stuff dad, happened. Lena's dad, I think. Oh, yeah, it is Lena's dad, you're Which right. uh,
1: Lena's, like, is, is Serge's childhood romance that yeah, becomes largely irrelevant as the game moves on. <laughs>
0: Quickly irrelevant. Yeah. Um, and so you don't really know what's going on, but by the end of it, it's all explained to you and it's kind of like, oh, that, that's interesting, but I wish a little bit more had been... Uh, developed throughout, and you See, kinda knew what was going on.
1: I mean, and there's even, you know, characters that we haven't even really mentioned, like, uh, Harley, the, uh, like the, the, the Harlequin character. Yeah. Uh, um, founds out she's a dragon too, and all this crazy crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, I kinda like that because it makes Chrono Cross its own game. And then it's it's kind of like this was tied into everything. Like it doesn't make it doesn't make it like the connection to Chrono Trigger so so like a much of a part of the game. Which I think that's where a lot of the hate for the game comes from, is the fact that people just wanted a sequel to Chrono Trigger, and instead they got this like this sequel to Chrono Trigger, but in an unlikely way. Yeah. Like it's I mean you're not you're not using the same characters at all. Although there is the rumor that the character of Guile. Is is an amnesiac Magus, yeah. Um, which w- was kind of legitimized by the fact that once again in Chrono Trigger DS, uh, there's one of the endings insinuates that Magus, you know, becomes an amnesiac, right. Um, but I mean that uh, you know you're not playing as his characters. You're in that world, but you're in that world far in the future. Yeah, I yeah, mean it's a, it's almost it. like this is an expanded universe game. Yeah, like and, this, and more. This is the equivalent of like Knights of the Old Republic to the Star Wars movies that we are we we know and love,
0: right? And more more than any of that though, I, I find that the hate comes from the fact that the characters, um, not only are they not present, which is one thing, but they basically, in completing like their task in Chrono Trigger, like created this other future where things still go horribly wrong and and you know and the Earth is in peril and like you know it was basically like all their trouble was for naught and like that you know that even in changing the future, they just created a new future that yeah. wasn't happy. You know, it wasn't this happy ending, like, they did everything they needed to do and how everything was perfect, and um, I, I I think that's where a lot of that comes from. You know, the characters are ghosts in this, and, you know, you basically, you watch or see, like, Robo get deleted after the, yeah. you know, late late in the game, once, once it's revealed that he's the one who made Serge the Arbiter and all this stuff, and it just kind of, I don't know. It's kind of a bold decision to, I don't know, make the char- the characters not so omniscient, you know, from Chrono Trigger, and, and make it where they they weren't perfect and they still didn't prevent disaster.
8: So, as people who have played Chrono Trigger, you guys look upon this favorably as a like a continuation of the series.
1: I don't know if I'd really say favorable. Well, I mean, as it, like acceptingly, like, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, my thing is that I I really. I I love both games. Um, I think they're both very good games. They happen to take place in the same universe. I love the fact that, you know, what parts of Chrono Cross do, you know, they do have those characters, they do have those ties, those little teases and hints that, I mean, throughout the game, they don't really overtly tell you. You kind of need to, you know, do the math. Like, they're not just, like, you know, flashing on the screen, this is Robo. He was mm-hmm. in the previous game. Remember him? Right. Isn't that weird? And that's something that I think some game sequels and movie sequels do, is that it's more just, you know, the reference is enough. And in Chrono Cross, I mean, I I guess you could say that some of the things are just references, but it it didn't beat you over the head with it. And I kind of enjoyed the fact that these two games can exist separately, although Chrono Cross's story would still make no sense. But for me, I I really enjoyed how crazy and inane the story was at times, because, I mean, it kept me interested it's much better than, I mean, I'm playing Tales of the Abyss, and while that's a, that's a fine game, it's like, I don't give a crap about the story. And mm-hmm. as far as, like, you know, the generic Japanese RPG, Chrono Cross was one of the few games that had, like, such an off-the-wall story that it kept me involved. Yeah. Like, everything else, you know, it's like, you know, uh, it's either, like, the, the hero's a dick, and he learns to be a little better, or he doesn't remember anything and it's not that surge is this great hero but it's almost like surge you know in, in the case of this game and the story he's just like a a person being used by other people he's a tool mm-hmm. yeah. and it's i mean much like how you as the player are using surge it's just you know you know as an as an avatar it's like so are the other characters in the story and i mean that's something that i i kind of enjoy because you know, the story isn't so much about what's Surge doing as what's going on in the world in general.
8: Yeah, it's all just, like, a, a repercussion of the other game, but still, like, being this singular thing.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Neil's 100% right. Like, the, the references, references aren't, you know, out there. You know, it's not in your face. Um, it's there if you played Chrono Trigger, but if you haven't, I, it really yeah, is like, not going to take away from your experience. Yeah, that's my case. Like, I played you, very well, little Chrono never... Trigger.
8: Really? Like, oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, I don't have that prior affinity, and I, I'm i still enjoying Chrono Cross so far. Like, That's I, really I, yeah. cool. Yeah. It's It's weird to kind of, like, I have some points of reference for, like, events and characters and stuff like that, but I'm still very much enjoying the game on its own. Yeah, it'll be interesting.
0: I wonder for if you play Chrono Trigger after Chrono Cross, like how what your experience it'll will be probably like end doing up that, that
1: way. So yeah, yeah, we'll have to yeah. do yeah. another yeah. one of these segments after you yeah. play Chrono Trigger. That's, a, <laughs> I, in all honesty, um, I mean, I'm glad that uh, Scott, you, you decided to play Chrono Cross because while I was kind of hand tied because my PS3 was broken for a while and I was not motivated enough to send it off to get repaired, um, it is a game that I I look upon favorably, and I was thinking like. Around the time when you mentioned that on Twitter, I was like, "Man, I could totally replay that game. I really enjoyed that." <laughs> and the same thing with *Prono Sugar*, because I got the DS version and I think I played yeah. like an hour and a half of it. I lent it to a couple friends, so there was some benefit, but I barely played the DS version. I kind of want to go back to that. Oh, I just for that sure. um, a friend of mine is still borrowing it, so yeah, I need to get it back from him first.
0: Yeah. I love Chrono Trigger. I mean, I played it originally. I, I played the PS1 version. I played the DS version. <laughs> the um, PS1
1: version is, is so, so bad. fucking
0: bad. So bad. But I, I still love it. I mean, I was a kid, and I liked the animated cutscenes. Yeah, so I, I know. Uh, um, that was
1: enough. When I when I had access to a PlayStation 1, um, as I mentioned before the show, I never owned... Well, I inherited a PlayStation 1. My brother owned a PlayStation 1. And what I did at some point was I would get, you know, I got Final Fantasy 7, I got Final Fantasy 9, um, and I got the, the collection with Chrono Trigger on it, and I would just, yeah. you know, when I'd get a chance, I would play his PlayStation and, you know, play my RPGs and I wanted to on that, because that was at a time when I was really into that genre. Yeah. And I remember trying to play the Chrono Trigger thing, and then I was just like, screw this, and played it on an emulator on Super Nintendo, uh, the Super Nintendo emulator. <laughs> yeah, it's so much better that way. And then I eventually, um, when I got a, I got a Super Nintendo for the first time in 2003, was early, early high school for me, which makes Nate feel Young and Scottfield old, most likely. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I was I was a junior then, so not that old. Yeah, but um, I, I got it in the beginning of high school, and I wound up. uh Chrono Trigger was one of the few games that I shelled out, you know, like thirty plus dollars. I think I got it for forty bucks, including shipping off of eBay. Which, um, I wish I got Earthbound instead because <laughs> Earthbound back then was about fifty bucks, and now it's only skyrocketing in price. Whereas yeah. Chrono Trigger I could have gotten on DS, Virtual Console, or pretty much everything at this point.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: But um, I, th- I think my logic at the time was, well, Earthbound's a Nintendo game, they'll re-release it. Yeah, of course. Of course.
0: <laughs> Who would have known? Um, the to me, just to, to kind of close out and then we'll read this email that we got, but the, the only scene in Chrono Cross that really like made me sad for, for Chrono Trigger and like the characters um, is near the end when Kid is in a coma and you're trying to get her out of it. And you're in this scene now in the uh, the burning orphanage, which Lupo oh, is running. yeah. And um, you know there there's kids there that you're you're rescuing, and then um, there's a point where you go down a hallway, and there's actually like paint like drawings, like crayon drawings that the kids have done of the different heroes from Chrono Trigger, because obviously you know they're they were all friends still, and so the, those people obviously came back to kind of help out at the orphanage, and so like and then when you click on them, it'll actually bring up the 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 hand drawn pictures. And it's pretty cool and, and just cute and just sad. And so you get like pictures of Frog and Chrono and Marl and all that stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's just kind of sad. And then when you go into battles throughout that hallway, um, like when the c- camera zooms into the battles, it like cuts through the hallway and you see all those pictures again. And it's just kind of like,
4: yeah,
1: I mean, that was kind of cool. Once again, a really effective way of referencing the old game, but making it subtle. Yeah. And I, I do I, I distinctly remember that. I mean, well, if you know, to jog my memory a little bit with the Burning Orphanage, but when immediately when you said that I'm like, Oh yeah, the crayon drawings. Yeah. I mean it's it's a very poignant scene, especially if if you're a fan of
2: Chrono Trigger.
0: Oh, for sure. But yeah, so I, I appreciate it. I, I don't view it as like a, a direct sequel, but I, just like a cool spin off idea and I, I like what they did and with the uh with the world and stuff and that it it you know, it, it just made the, the heroes of Chrono Trigger uh not infallible, which I, I appreciate, you know, that there there was no real changing the uh, the future. You know, they changed one, but they just made a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of like that. But let's read an email. It kind of ties into that. Well, um, well this is... but
1: right, right before we get there, I just want to make the comment about that. Maybe that was the intention of this game was to make it so, you know, Chrono Trigger wasn't seen as this infallible game that was perfect and may, may, maybe it was a sly attempt by Square Enix and, and, the, and the people working on this game to just be like, hey, you know, a Chrono Trigger game was pretty good, but guys, you know, th- those heroes aren't perfect. Like, Frog Frog messed up. He was kind of a dick. Like,
0: Right. You know, this has kind of been, like, trolling a little bit. Like, you know, they probably received that's, countless that's letters and, and emails saying, like, give us a Chrono Trigger sequel, so this is what you got. Like, yeah. this sort of sad and somber story. Um, but here's the email from... Um, Kasaki Project, uh, he writes, I think Chrono Cross is wonderful and given a bad rap by Trigger fanboys. Basically, it's a unique and darkly compelling story. It was particularly unique and compelling for a late 90s JRPG. I mean, everything bad in the universe was Serge's fault. That's a pretty unique protagonist. The character's stories were dark and tragic. Harley Quinn's story was sad. The game made her quite a compelling enigma and then ended it in a sad way. Surgeon Kid's love story was particularly unfortunate. The game managed, with the help of the excellent score by Mitsuda, to create a constant sense of sorrow, longing, and melancholy. This wasn't a particularly common theme at the time. It's an excellent game, but people go into it expecting happy and good times, instead they get instead they get Greek tragedy.
8: And, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. I think yeah. having like the the theme of consequence throughout is a, a really effective means of storytelling.
0: Right. For sure, yeah, I one hundred percent agree with that, and I think that's really well said. it's so a good job Kasaki project,
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: and um I guess going back to uh I felt like looking up what a uh, I'll try to pronounce it right um if someone wants to wants to write in with a phonetic correct pronunciation of uh masato kato mm-hmm. kato i I don't know I'm not good with the Japanese actually neil <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. do you actually know I'm curious no i I don't <laughs> yeah um but he's he is the uh he he was the director, scenario and scriptwriter, event planner and FMV storyboard guy for Chrono Cross. He was also the story planner and scriptwriter for Chrono Trigger. So, I mean, oh. if you think about it, this was the guy who came up with the story for Chrono Trigger and then he made the story for Chrono Cross as the sequel right. for it.
0: So that, that that's true so they were his characters. Yeah, so. it
1: came, it came from a legit source. But I also feel it's notable to, to mention what else this guy worked on before Chrono Trigger. He worked on all three Ninja Gaiden NES games. Um, weird. It's at least uh, just looking on his Wikipedia page, which may or may not be accurate. Um, it said he's just a, he just worked on a, I guess like the, the art on Ninja Gaiden One, but then he directed uh you know the the cinema scenes for two and three. And I mean, considering that Ninja Gaiden Three is also bad shit crazy. The <laughs> um, Ninja Gaiden 2, you know, is a little more grounded. I can see some kind of comparison between Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross to Ninja Gaiden 2 and 3 on the NES. There you go. Um, and he also, uh, I mean, he worked on Radical Dreamers, which, you know, makes sense. He was also the event planner and script writer for Final Fantasy VII, uh, Xenogears, and he also worked a lot on Final Fantasy XI. And even even going farther down the list, he worked on Baiten By- Kaidos, um, a lot of Mana games, uh, when there was a bunch of Mana games coming out randomly in the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sands of Destruction, a Sega-published DS game that supposedly, I think there's some time elements in that, so it, people compared the story a little bit to Chrono Trigger. Um, and then he also worked on Shirin the Wanderer on Wii, and he's currently working on Ninja Gaiden 3. Um, so he's going back to the well in that one.
4: <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah,
1: probably no one cares except for me, but but I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I think that'll about do it. Closing thoughts, guys?
1: Um, if you've never played Chrono Cross before, I highly recommend it. If you have a PlayStation 3, it is $10 on PSN and totally worth it. If you like RPGs, like Chrono, Chrono Trigger, I mean, it is the kind of thing. Um, it reminds me slightly of a comment I made in the NeoGAF thread for Dylan's Rolling Western. Or someone asked if it was worth ten dollars, and despite the fact that I don't like that game at all, I said yes because it's either you're going to really like it and that's cool, or you're going to agree with me and hate it. So <laughs> it's either you're going to really like this game and agree with me, or you're going to hate it, and that's okay. You're just wrong. <laughs> uh,
4: Nate,
0: I know you're not very you're, you know you're still making your way through it, but no, to I'm, I'm, be
8: I'm very much sold on it now after this discussion. I'm going to see it all the way through. Perfect. And yeah, I, I
0: would agree with Neil. If you're a Chrono Trigger fan and you haven't played this and you've heard bad things, you know, it's easily available now if you have a PS3. Um, I'd say definitely, definitely give it a look. It, it's interesting. And if you can just kind of put your, your Trigger love aside, uh, it, it's, it's a very um, just sort of courageous and bold idea for the franchise. Yeah, um,
1: and it even has a bunch of multiple endings that you can get in New Game Plus, which is yeah. a, a series staple for all two games.
0: Although in this one, uh, you can hold down the right trigger and it uh, speeds up the gameplay.
1: Oh,
4: so you really? Can get,
0: you can, yeah. So you can play the game again and get through it that much faster. <laughs> and your character's even strong still. You get know, your your same level and stuff. So not only are you doing more damage, but you're you're fast forwarding through everything. That's awesome. So, yeah, you can get through the game again in like less than ten hours. So there you go. So all right. Well, thanks guys for joining me.
1: Yeah. And
0: um, yeah, we'll see you guys later.
1: If you guys want us to talk about Chrono Cross again, I totally do it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Just let us know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.